Hey y'all, it's Darby. Um, so question for you. Have you been having any dreams or nightmares about the coronavirus? I have been having crazy dreams and I thought it might be an interesting project to pull some of these together um, in an episode where we just all kind of talk about our dreams. So if that's you and you're willing to share one of your dreams, um, send me an audio message, an MP3. You can do it with a voice memo on your phone. You can record it even in Facebook Messenger. And just send me um, your name, where you live, do you know anybody personally with the coronavirus, and tell me about your dream. If you're having these dreams and you don't always remember them, I suggest that you keep your phone right next to your bed or a notepad, and you can, um, if you wake up in the middle of the night with a scary dream, Talk about it right away, write it down, record it in the morning, and send it my way. All right, uh, here's the show. Guess what, bitch? <laughs> Coronavirus! Coronavirus! Hello, and welcome to a show I have finally named Coronavirus Coping Stories with Auntie D. Um, those of you who know me from the fitness world know that that's kind of my nickname. Um, it's also my nickname with my actual nieces and nephews. Um, and I don't know, I guess I'm feeling kind of um, auntie-like as uh, as I do this show. Um, I call it a show. Is it, is, it, is it a show? I don't know. I'm not sure if anybody's even listening to this or if it's just something that I'm making for myself as a record of what my friends and family are going through with the coronavirus crisis, um, how people's lives work and how they're being affected. I'm just keeping a record of that. So that's all this is. Um, today on the show, we have Roz and Craig Williams. Now, those of you who have been listening to my podcast for a long time will remember Roz and Craig, of course, as my wonderful partners on Everything Acting. Um, you will remember what an utter delight they are and how funny they are and how awesome they are. And we had a lot of laughs um, during this interview. So I think that you will enjoy it. They live, of course, in New York City. And so they're kind of giving us the, the lay of the land, what's happening there in New York. Um, one thing you will need to know <laughs> um, before you listen to this is that we, I think I told you guys last week that we had an interview that we lost because of some technical problems. Um, but one of the things that we talked about was how I was joking, like all of my black lady friends are worried about their hair and all of my white lady friends are worried about their Botox <laughs> injections and the expiration date thereof. My lips are about to get real skinny. Um, but Roz managed to uh, get her hair done. So, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let her tell the story, but she uh, managed to fix her hair. But that's what we're talking about when, um, when that comes up. As far as me, everything is pretty, um, it's kind of the same here in London. You know, none of the rules have changed. We're still allowed to go out for essential items, grocery, pharmacy, um, a little bit of exercise. We're allowed to go out once a day for that stuff. Um, so yeah, I don't have a whole lot to report. I've been spending a lot of time on Clapham Common, and I'm very grateful for the off-leash policy of, <laughs> of Clapham Common because I think that perhaps the dogs know how freaked out I am because they will come over sometimes and give me some love as I'm out there taking um, a walk or doing a workout. And so far down here, people are really um, following the rules. I haven't, I haven't seen any large groups of people breaking the rules and and um, and you know congregating in groups or whatever. None of that has really happened here, um, down here. Now I hear that that's happening in other parks in London, and to that I say, 
that is some bullshit. Um, people need to follow the rules. Um, but so far down here, it seems to be going pretty well. So good job, SW11. Good job, Clapham Common. Um, one area in my life where people are not doing a great job is the internet. Um, I cannot believe that I have to tell you that gargling with lemon water is not going to kill the coronavirus. If you, if it was that easy, do you think that we would be having this type, this type of crisis? No, we wouldn't. Um, fact check your stuff, people, please. And I understand how um, easy it is to post something without fact checking it or to rush to post it. I think that's the that's the biggest advice I would give you is just to slow down and check something out before you post it. And if you find something that's bullshit, don't post it and say this is bullshit because that just means people are going to click on it and anybody who posts those videos is probably monetizing them. So don't give them any clicks. You can just um you can just express the fact check. You don't have to actually post the offending article. Um, and I get, and again, I get how fast it can happen. A friend of mine texted me a couple of weeks ago, and it looked on the text at first glance that she was sending it from someone who actually worked at the palace, and the news was that Prince Philip had died. I very quickly forwarded it to my friend who um, loves Prince Philip, and then then I got online. <laughs> I looked at Twitter, and it's like, oh, Prince Philip dies like three or four times a year, so he's probably fine. Um, he hasn't really been out in public. He's supposedly at Windsor, um, relaxing, but yeah, he's probably not, probably not dead. So I posted that, or I didn't post it, but I, I shared that news too quickly. Just check your stuff before you post anything. Okay. Okay. Um, all right, let's get to the interview with Roz and Craig and stay tuned. After that, I'm going to give you guys just a quick little breathing exercise that can help you fall asleep faster or maybe, uh, just help you relax. <laughs> um, so tell me how you are feeling one week into is it one week or longer for y'all longer right longer uh it started on the 12th of march wow so, wow that's that's a long time yeah. over two weeks yeah wow yeah yeah i'm doing much better today today i woke up in a better mood and um and Craig came to bed early and spent some time with me last night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was so sweet. Aww. Craig was so sweet to me yesterday because I was being depressed. Yeah, she was having a bad day. So I'm writing, you know, I'm sitting at my computer writing, and she just comes over. Uh, are you going to write all night? And I just slammed the computer shut. She's like, no, I didn't mean that. No, 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 no. I know what that means. <laughs> All good. <laughs> I was like, you use it as an excuse. <laughs> I know it's called writing. <laughs> well, here's I here's one of um the coping strategies for me and Kelvin actually. So Kelvin and I have different circadian rhythms, kind of just uh, as a matter of normality. Um, I like to go to bed, as you know, I like to go to bed early and get up early and he likes to stay up late and get up late. So it's actually been kind of good because we each have um, a couple of hours of solitude in the flat. Um, we we have, you know, we've got a much bigger place here. As you know, you've been here. We've got a much bigger place here than we did in the city, but it's still not huge. You know, it's still not huge, but at least we, it's nice to have that kind of time of um, of solitude. Have you found that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, and it's, I think just our, our kind of natural kind of also 
for us, it's our viewing habits, it's our working habits, it's, um, and it's also kind of the opposite, because I'm a late night, and she'll stay up late sometimes just kind of to wait for me, but I'm like, yeah, I'm into this. I mean, that's just where we are, and we find that time because it's what we need, especially now. Yeah. Um, just kind of that mindless kind of time just to be wherever, and then, um, you know, she'll spend a day doing her hair, which is why it looks so good now. <laughs> How did you get that done? Tell me your secret. Did you did you cheat and have someone come to your house? No way. I dug in my old hair drawer and found some old hair that I could use. <laughs> some purchases I never even opened. And then I watched a bunch of YouTube videos. Girl, I am freaking out right now. I can't believe you did your own hair. <laughs> and then she ordered a whole shitload of new hair. So don't get it twisted. <laughs> but I don't like the new hair. Yeah, I, the boy hair I ordered wasn't the right hair. I'm, first of all, the beauty supply store is closed. <gasps> how is that not, how is that not essential? How is that not essential? Liquor is essential. Beauty supply store is essential. I'm telling you. And a lot of the drugstores have been running out of hair dye. Oh, wow. Did you see my post? So I, so I, was, I was chatting with my friend, Judy, who's a, um, a hairdresser. She's one of my best friends and oldest friends. And um, so I texted her last night. I'm kind of just fucking with her, right? I, my, my roots were way too long before this happened. And now I'm screwed. You can see, we're, we're yeah. video, ch video chatting. So you can see that my, my roots are longer than the bleached part of my hair. Um, for those of you who don't know me in person, I spent a lot of money and a lot of time in a chair to, to get gray hair. My hair is naturally blonde. It's it's very dirty blonde okay. and it's ugly right now. Silver. Yeah, sometimes sometimes it's purple. It, it starts it starts gray and then it gets purple as the as the time goes on. So at this point, my bleached part is shorter yeah. than my roots. So I just texted her saying, "So well, the bleached part of my hair is shorter than my roots. If I just cut off all the bleached parts, I'm gonna have a good haircut, right?" And she texts back, <laughs> "Leave it alone." <laughs> Period. Like she actually put a, she actually put a, a period. You know, like who puts punctuation in text messages? But I died. I thought I did. It, it just cracks me up because I can just hear her voice saying, "Darby, do not do that." <laughs> <laughs> that would be that. Your haircut is so precise. That would be bad. Well, I do have hair scissors, so I'm tell. I should I I should probably video like put this in a, a story or something and record myself attempting. Oh. I'm doing it, man. I have. I'm gonna have to at some point. I'm gonna have to because it's gonna drive me crazy. Just the bangs. Just, the Just bang. do the bangs. <laughs> I have I have one of those scissors that has like a comb. You know, like a a notching scissors. I think it's called. So I might use it. I mean, I, I, I I'm honest. I bought those scissors for my vagina. <laughs> <laughs> desperate times call for desperate measures. They do. They do. Um, um, all right. So t tell me what's going on in on the ground in New York City right now. I hear. I'm hearing that there are, are sirens happening all the time, and that that's very ominous and feels kind of post 9/11. Is that correct? I saw somebody being taken out yesterday. Yes. And um, where my cousin works at Trader Joe's and two people at that Trader Joe's got it, two workers. Mm. And Trader Joe's has been, first of all, Trader Joe's is so, the people who work there are overly friendly. They're close talkers and 
It's a dangerous place to be. <laughs> it's the nicest place on earth, though. It's the most diverse place on earth. Mm. And they're the nicest, kindest, most helpful people in the world. But I'm, I'm the shopper. I go to Trader Joe's like daily as kind of my, part of my ritual. I went um, with him just as a thing. Yeah, she just went once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what I noticed, especially in the last couple of weeks, is that some of them wear protective gloves and some of them don't, Ooh. which is weird. And so when we got really to the serious part of the epidemic, where, where they were um, only letting people in like 20 at a time and having the line stay out and then uh, around the block and people were keeping their social distance on the line, even when you went in, some people, they were still doing their work, but some people had gloves and some people didn't. And it was a little disconcerting. That's shocking um, to me. That, you know, people protecting themselves. It was a little weird. I wonder, they're really a friendly bunch. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if that has anything to do with the shortage of, you know, actual gloves. See, I we had two boxes of 100 gloves mm. before this started for Coleman's feet. Because to touch his feet, you need to wear gloves. <laughs> What's wrong with his feet? <laughs> Fungus. He's a teenager with terrible foot fungus and he doesn't <laughs> care most of the time. And then every once in a while, we'll just look at his feet and we'll just, or we put the gloves on and we just get the spray and the, and, and the, the, and and the, the white and the ointments and the, and we're just like, we, we have to do this because we can't let you out into the world looking like that. So we're in that period now, but also we got the gloves because she dyes her hair mm. sometimes and we got it you know, protect the hand. So it served a lot of purposes to have a shitload <laughs> of, gloves. of gloves in our house from Costco. And now they come in handy. because So you we know, had them. Every time we go out, we put on some gloves, put some extra ones in our pocket. Yeah, because then you could, you know what you see all the time? No, remember how when New York was seedy, you used to see condoms all around? Yeah. Condoms and, the, and, little, and little drug baggies. Condom, yeah, and the little drug baggies, right? Yes. Now you see gloves everywhere. When you walk down the street, you see plastic gloves everywhere. everywhere. Discarded gloves. Yeah. Huh. So tell me, besides um, going to Trader Joe's and being concerned about the workers, tell me a little bit about um, what it, what's your typical like day in the life like now? How's homeschooling going? Two questions. Homeschool is bullshit. It's a lie. There is no homeschool. Okay, so we just come off like the first full week, but it wasn't a full week. So he had uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday from 9.30 to like 12 or 12.30. It's very kind of nebulous. So it's like three hours. Mm -hmm. So that, that was just Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then Thursday and Friday, we were like, well, what's going on? He's like, well, I don't have school today. Um, so he had like advisory on Friday at noon, but other than that, it's a lot of not school. Mm. Yeah. So they have like, I guess they get assignments and then um, very little teaching, but they get an assignment and then we just have to bug the fuck out of them to ask him if he did it. It's so awful. Yeah, it's, 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 it's lacking. Okay. And I understand that people are still trying to figure out, you know, the whole technology and the workflow and all that stuff. It, it has only been one week. It's not enough. Um, but so far, it's, it's, it's not up to par. So we're hoping like this week will bring you know, some renewed energy or 
focus or something from somebody. And for a teenager who doesn't even like to talk to us, to try to interact with him, to teach him something is just, basically the first day I yelled for an hour and stayed in bad mood all day. I mean, it's it's hard. Yeah, tell tell um, just just tell the people a little bit about your your relationship with Coleman before all this started, just to set the stage for, you know, what it's like to be okay. a teenager. After a thousand dollars in therapy, it had just gotten better. More. Mm-hmm. It was more than that. Yeah, thousand dollars was that month. <laughs> After a thousand dollars a month in therapy, it had just started to get better where he would talk to us he was he's 15 he um, and he was so angry he's very you know bright and committed to his stance and he hated us i mean it's typical i'm hearing from everybody i've talked to um but you know it's our only so it's very weird to have this person in our house who you know just has contempt contempt for everything we say and do um, so that's what it was like. That's what it's been like for about a year or so. Just kind and of it's been very combative. Yes. What is he angry about? I think, I think um, when his grandmother died, we didn't handle it well because we. I don't think we included him enough, but I don't think he's conscious of that. Mm. But mm. I feel like, and then at the same time, I went away to do a show. And um, the first time he got mad at me was when I went to do a show and I got off the plane and I came back. I was only gone for seven weeks and he wouldn't talk to me when at the airport. Wow. Remember that? I do. And, and part of it, I mean, you know, it's parenting is the, it's the thing of taking on a lot of responsibility for how your child behaves, acts, does all those things. You take it on. But the truth of the matter is, I think he's 15. He blames him. And there isn't, (laughs) and listen, I, yeah, she blames us. I blame him. I mean, I just, it's the phase that he's going to. And everybody I've talked to, adults is, yeah, from 14 to 17, I was a bitch and a half. Girls, boys, doesn't matter the gender, doesn't matter the ethnicity. Everybody says they were terrible. I wasn't. And they have terrible children. So for the vast majority of us, I also wasn't terrible either. So we're kind we of- We were good uh, kids. Okay, well, I, I, we I, I think kids. I told you this we're... story, but I'm not joking from the age of like maybe, I don't know, I think this started somewhere. I think I was driving when I started to become a cunt, but I think it was about 16 to like 22. <laughs> I'm not joking. Every time I came in the house, I would walk in and my parents were like walking on eggshells around me and they would say, Darby, um, how was your day? And I literally would look at them and roll my eyes and make this sound and walk upstairs (laughs) to my room. Exactly. Pretty much. Exactly. That's exactly what we're going through. You have hope. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that gives that's me hope. For, Thank right, you for sharing. Because right now, even like you know, in this captivity where we are, we're, we're all just quarantined together all the time, we literally don't see him for for twenty three hours and okay. forty five minutes of the day. My relationship <laughs> with him has improved. Really? Okay, say more about that. Because I listen to the therapist, and I have been working on it, and I did what the therapist said. <laughs> I'm like, as you can see, so you because because you're an actor and you take direction well. I'm I'm curious. Um, I'm curious how your uh, acting skills, Roz, have contributed to the betterment of your relationship with Coleman. Are you using any of those skills, like listening? 
Um, oh my God, yes. So much. First of all, I stopped bugging him about his appearance, which is very hard considering he won't wear a belt and his butt shows at all times. Ugh, I hate that. We kind of had to let that go. Yeah, I mean, we, we let it go a little bit. I will still bring it up um, on occasion. It's horrible. Are the pants like just, like below just, the butt cheek all the way down? Like, is the entire ass out or is it just like yeah. half a half? The a, entire ass, the entire ass is out. And sometimes he has to waddle. <laughs> to... <laughs> just let me tell you, Darby. As a black man, yeah. it offends me to every <laughs> ounce of my core that I have birthed a teen son who's walking around like he just got out of Rikers. It hurts every fiber of my being. <laughs> oh, honey, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, you know, I just, I kind of have to make peace with it for now, or we're just going to be at war all the time. So I just decided to fight our battles. Every once in a while, I'll bring it up. You know, I'll do the dad stare. Yeah. Uh, um, but, you know, we just have to, right now, because it's, it's his, he's just, he just loves to irk the shit out of us. That's just where he is right now. And anything we say, even if he goes into the kitchen, <laughs> this is so stupid. Even when he goes into the kitchen to like get something to food, get some food, Roz or I will say, oh, you want to get some food? He'll just turn right around and leave. Even if he's starving. <laughs> just because we mentioned food, now he does not want it. And he can't be, he doesn't want us to be right. Never. He can't be right. <laughs> wow. But I, every day after the show, I would go in his room no matter what sit on his bed and talk to him mm. and just endure it. And it, it got better and mm. he started accepting it and he accepts my hugs and kisses now. And I, sometimes I just go and sit in his room. The smell, yeah. the smell, the smell. And I'm like, I'm here because I'm your mother and I love you and you can't get rid of me. And I just sit there. That's what the therapist told me to do. So I do it. Yeah. And he, it just wore him down. Yeah. It just wore him down. And so it's easier for him to just talk to me for a little bit or to um, endure me. And I got to hear him and see how good he is on the computer making music, which I didn't even know. Mm. Like, he, like, watch him learn new software. I just sat there and watched him. And like, that's really impressive. And I've just, this whole, the, so that started since the therapy ended. And also I think the therapist gave him some skills in how to talk to us when he wants something mm. instead of just whining and demanding. Now he's, he gave him some more negotiating skills, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> he helped him manipulate yeah. us better. So speaking yes. of coming home from your show, Roz, um, so Roz was in To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway until this happened and she had only been there a few months um and i have to think that you are going through a grieving process for that can you talk a little bit about the how you found out you were closing like give us the whole story okay so we were watching me first of all my scene acting partner is 86 years old and 
She is a sweetheart, Patricia Connolly. Look her up. She's done so many things. She acted with all the famous people. And um, so I had already had a bad flu in January for four days. Mm. So I didn't, I, I had already missed those shows and which is very conscious about getting, having somebody of that age on stage with me, you know, and um, uh, just about getting people sick because sickness just goes through the cast like crazy. So we were watching it and every day we talk about it when we sat backstage and it's someone in the theater next door and Usher got it. Mm. So we kind of want them to do something because during the show the audience coughs and hacks and sneezes and it's so disgusting on a regular basis mm. that's just and people come from around the world and the average age is and like so 94.6 exactly. it is yes. it is absolutely and they um they had stopped like we're not allowed to give autographs anymore mm. they stopped visitors coming backstage um, but cast members just kept getting sick. And um, so at one, in one way, we were very uncomfortable doing the show, mm -hmm. being in close quarters because they, they had already started like uh, be, uh, start social distancing. They started it before Broadway closed down. And um, we're like, this is gross. We just felt so gross. And so we were constantly washing our hands and stuff. So on that way, in that way, we wanted, we wanted something to happen because it just felt so inevitable. And we had, a, we were saying like, which, which Broadway actor is going to get it first? It was like a little bet going on backstage, like which show is going to get it first? Cause we knew it was going to happen. It was inevitable. So, so we had that fear going on. But we didn't want to close. <laughs> like, I just didn't even imagine it would mean closing. I wanted them to fix it, but I just couldn't imagine that all the Broadway would close. It's, it was unthinkable. And like when the NBA closed, I mean, that really changed everything. Yeah. I think we had, we might have worked one day after the NBA. Yeah, just one day. Mm -hmm. yeah. NBA was first next day it was like okay this is the last night Broadway's closing because first they said 500 no more than 500 people can gather so we were like well what is it going to be the first 500 people who come how are they going to how's the box office going to deal with that you know I think we have uh I think we might have 2,000 in our theater and the theaters are so you're so close yeah. and the producers came and said oh we did a deep cleaning felt like bullshit yeah it, but just the it, it was just too surreal to believe or to understand the the magnitude of this yeah so even though i was we were scared for ourselves we didn't imagine that they would but we should have known when the producers mentioned insurance oh. <laughs> so they were waiting for the state to close us down so we worked until the state said no more gatherings and they closed it and then we were closed. But I didn't imagine that it would be open-ended and that they would not pay us. So we so that for that 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 week, they didn't even pay us for a full week. So that 
was like a different subject, but, but very upsetting that they wouldn't even give us the week, you know? But um, the, the union fought for us, and so now we're getting two weeks severance. So we just got that, which is good. But um, after that, we, they just told us, they just gave us the information for unemployment. Wow. That was shocking. That was the first thing they did before they even talked about um, how they were going to you know, compensate or if they were, they were like, here's unemployment, start to file. Um, and so there was uncertainty for a week while, and then you, you realize now they were all negotiating. The Broadway producers and Actors' Equity, they were all, you know, everybody's still trying to figure out, figure it out. So there wasn't really blame to go around. People were trying to figure out how can I do this without going broke because we're going to need to reopen again. Yeah, Hopefully. and so luckily I'm in the show that is scheduled to reopen. I'm just, but when? Yeah. And know. when will audiences feel comfortable coming back together like that? Right. So there's all that. And then on the artistic tip and just like not saying goodbye to people, you know, because um, there are people who won't come back to the show. So many people are not going to come back because um, their contracts would have ended anyway. So they're not going to come back later in the summer or whenever. So it'll be a new cast. And I don't, I was like, I started to like, well, maybe I should go over my part again. And then I was like, uh, but yeah. And then on the artistic, the, the artistic drop off has been just like so severe mm -hmm. that, you know, and I feel like I had just gotten myself into like a good routine with the show mm -hmm. where like, I could start to think about other things. And like before the show, the show completely takes over your life. It's so time consuming. Um, but I, I was really, I had gone on, I'm, I'm an understudy and I'm also in the show. So I had gone on in my part and that was really exciting. And it's almost like I can't put it into words, the loss, yeah. because it's so big. Does it feel, does it it's, feel like grieving a person? Like, like somebody died or like, yeah, if they died really, really suddenly. suddenly. Yeah. Or like, but, but um, also it's like everybody at once. Mm. <laughs> you know, if a yeah. bunch of, you know, and, you know, um, my producer sent me a little email. He's so funny. And so did Ed Harris, the star of our show. And you could tell they're not tech savvy people. It's like a few <laughs> words, really small, all lowercase. <laughs> <laughs> okay her mm. producer is, is uh her producer is scott rudin and just mm. you can google him just yeah, I know everything he he's done so yeah. he's sending these emails and there's like there's no subject line no subject line it's just like you know scott rudin whatever and just, it just said how are you and it almost looks like spam it, i thought it was i thought he got hacked <laughs> it had no punctuation no capitalization no no signature nothing but just said how are you <laughs> so and it was six thirty in the morning. I was like, at uh, six thirty a.m. Ross Scott Rudin sent you an email. <laughs> <laughs> so I I texted my stage manager, who I'm really close with, and I was like, um, I think Scott Rudin got spammed. You know, he said, <laughs> "No, that's how he sends emails." I was like, "Should I answer?" Uh, He's like, "Yeah, answer." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay." Oh my God! It's like if Trump got an email account. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. 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 So, um, and that's it. That's it. So it. So you can. So it's like it's an, as if everybody in your in your class died, mm. right? 
but you could get emails. So you could get emails from heaven or something. So it's better than that. It's a little better than that because they can reach out. But the not seeing them, the not doing the show, the connection, the connection with the audience, the, the sense of purpose and meaning, all that's gone. Yeah. Nobody needs me for anything. But and you know what I do enjoy? Hmm. Sometimes, not often, but sometimes I do domestic work. <laughs> Roz, I'm, I'm about to say something that is so freaking bougie and white privilege I hate myself. I hate myself. I do not know how to clean my fucking house. I don't have these skills. <laughs> That's my coronavirus confession. That's my confession. I don't know what to do with any of the cleaning products that are under my sink. <laughs> That's so funny. It's fucking embarrassing and terrible. And I, I like, I really, I legit hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I miss, I do miss, there's a lot that I missed. And I had noticed that already, that at the gym, mm. like the gym, mm. oh, the gym closing was very painful because that was like my lifeline. Mm -hmm. um, but that, you know, the ladies who clean in the gym, I had gotten really close to them. Just, you know, they speak very little English, but, you know, like they clean the sauna and like I go in next and I was just so grateful. And, you know, they're just, they were, cleaning people have been on tilt right? Because all the, like the gym and the physical therapist have been like, I could see them talking to clean people, text me when you're on your way. You know, it's been, they've been in such high demand and at the theater, they've been around more. And so I've actually gotten to know them, you know, before the shutdown. Mm -hmm. And it just brought me to tears one day, like how these people that Trump hates so much, everybody was just like, can, can you, like, they were exchanging numbers, phone numbers with them. Mm -hmm. And like, and you never see people sweating them like that. But they were just in such high demand all over the city. The cleaning people were just, these little ladies, you know, they're always short. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> they speak so much Spanish, but they get on. They, they, they understand you, but they don't talk that much. Yeah. But, um... So that, that like really moved me, just like how I felt so connected to these like unseen people yeah. before. And they just like, now they're like, you see them all the time. And now for the delivery people, the people at the grocery stores, those are the only people working. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, um, I haven't actually read this article yet, but I anticipate that it's going to be wonderful. I just got an alert for it um, a couple of hours ago in the Times talking about the class divide and how you've got, and especially in, in New York City, has laid this bare because you have people who have, you know, buggered off to their vacation homes to ride it out. You have middle class families yes. who are struggling to be teacher and, um, and working from home and like kind of where a lot of, like where my husband would be if we had a child. And then you have mm -hmm. the unseen people who are still having to go to work and the people who are yeah. who are working class and then and then the and then don't even like get to like the homeless people how are they struggling through all this so so new york city is a perfect um what's the word i'm looking for it's this window into how this how the how our economy is problematic yeah a lot of our friends who have anybody who had a country house left mm. yes they left and um, when I saw them leaving, I was like, why are you not taking Coleman? 
<laughs> so a lot of his friends, because you know he only likes those a certain type of friends. Yeah. <laughs> They're all at the country houses. The kind of country houses. That's his only. All his friends are at the are in the country. Well, I will tell you. So um, we, I, I still follow obviously the pages from my Woodstock place, and. Um, uh -huh. uh, we have lovely tenants in there right now, but I'm not going to lie. If I was, if I had, if they, if we didn't have tenants in there, we'd probably be there right now. I probably would have come home. Um, but the, the people mm -hmm. in that, that the people who are local there, they have been, there's articles in all the papers saying, do not come to your fucking country house. We don't have enough hospitals. We don't have hospitals. There's not one hospital in Greene County, which is the county just above where our place is. Um, so I mean, it's it. Yeah, people are going to their country houses, but is that smart? They they could be bringing the virus there, and if you get sick up there, you might be screwed. And in um my my neighbor who has a country house, their neighbors said that the people who came to live there now, you know, all year round, they're using all all the toilet paper and all the supplies. All the and, yeah. Oh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because they're not prepared for that, especially not in not this time of year. They're not prepared for everybody nope. to be up there. They're just not. Um, yeah, in the summertime, they could handle it. But this time of year, they can't. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, I have to jump onto another call. But I want to hear before we before we close out, I want to know um, from each of you, one positive thing that has come out of this experience for you. One thing. I think I don't know. I'm feeling, you know, today I feel good. So I feel like Craig has done things with me. I've always wanted him to do like bike ride with me. <laughs> and he looks so cute on the bike, on the city bike. He looks so cute. I always wanted him to do that. We take long walks together. We've done that before, yeah, but only on vacation. Yeah. So I feel like that's been nice. I'm surprised the city bikes yeah. are still open. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I we wear gloves. We wear plastic yeah, gloves. Yeah, wear gloves and get on them and ride around. Um, the buses are free. Mm. Um, here I would never get on a bus. So and there's only five people. Interesting. The buses are very. I I saw a couple go by the other day and there was like one, the two people on them. And I spoke to our grocery cashier and she said that she has to take the bus to get to work. And she said, "Great, nobody sits next to you. It's awesome." <laughs> Yeah, and they cordon off the front of the bus so you can't get near the driver. So they're letting people only in through the back door. Mm. And you just sit and, you know, there's not many people. Yeah. So I've ridden the bus a couple of times. And for me, what the positive thing is just all the Zoom conferences and meetings that I'm having. I'm having writers meeting. I'm having, I played uh, Cards Against Humanity um, in a Zoom meeting the other a night. Zoom birthday party. We had a Zoom birthday party. Um, we have Zoom dinners, so it's just a lot of like yeah. connecting with random people and new people that you know I don't really know that well, but I'll join their party for you know a little bit because why the hell not? Oh, 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 Craig, talk about talk about your birthday party. Oh, my birthday party was epic. So, like two weeks ago when it was all happening, and it looks I had wanted to have a like in person birthday party. I like even made a list of people. And then when it looked like it was not going to happen, I said, you know, we use Zoom. I'm going to have a Zoom birthday party. And so like a week before, this is before it like blew up. So a week before I said, Roz, I'm going to have a Zoom birthday party. So I just sat here and I invited uh, 250 of my closest friends. Um, and <laughs> uh, because you can invite anybody because, yeah. you know, nobody's coming to your house. You won't run out of room. Um, and it was amazing. 
Um, I had just a room full of people were just popping up and it was chaotic and it was noisy and it was, I don't know, at the most we had like, I don't know, like 80 people at once, um, just screens. I had like three or four screens of people and I'm going back and forth and it was, it was madness. And people were, if you had like, if you had issues like, you know, with noise or noise sensitivity or this was definitely not the place to be. Um, but other than that, it was amazing. Some was so people stayed to the very end. The very end. Some people stayed, the, a few people stayed the whole time and just loved it. And then like we sang happy birthday at a certain time. And then as the night went on, um, we were there for a couple of hours at least. And then somebody <laughs> new would come in and it's like, okay, you missed happy birthday. So you have to sing it to me. And then they would <laughs> sing happy birthday to me again. <laughs> And weird things happened. Like people started sharing, like you know, how you can put a weird background. Oh, the virtual background. Yeah, people started like competing over who could do the best virtual background. So people started dropping in JPEGs, like of biscuits and uh, their vacation videos. It was it was a lot of fun. It was amazing yeah. to connect and then to see friends of friends connect. Also, people who knew somebody from this time or this world. So, like, having all my worlds collide was really amazing. It was very uplifting. Yeah. yeah did you record it? I do did. you have it? Do you have it for? I yeah, did. we have the recording. Oh, amazing. Four hours on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sorry I missed it. My insomnia attack started um, a little bit later than than because we're we're on on obviously I'm in London and they're in New York. And I had said that if my, my nightly insomnia attack, which usually happens around two, but if it happened early, I would hop on, but it didn't happen until I yes. think almost like four. And I sent you a photo. I was trying not to yes. wake up Kelvin, but the flash went off. Oh, no. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like squinting at the camera. I just look like, what is happening? <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I love you very much. I, um, I'm going to have you back on later so we can see, hopefully this doesn't go on forever, but if we have, you know, I don't know, maybe a month from now, we'll check in again and see how, how you're holding up, how if Coleman, yeah. assuming Coleman doesn't, you know, murder you in your sleep. Yeah. We're the only one who buys his Nutella, so there's, there's no danger of him getting rid of us anytime soon. <laughs> all right. He's eating all the food, right? <laughs> all right, bye. bye. Love you. Love you. Love you, Kelvin. Bye. Okay, so before I let you go, I'm going to give you a technique, a breathing technique that can help you relax. It can also help you fall asleep faster. Um, I know some people who have used this with their children and say that they can get their kids to fall asleep in like five minutes. I haven't had um, luck with that, but it does make me feel better. Just like any time you bring your focus back to your breath, you're going to automatically feel better. So this is just one exercise to, um, to help you do that. It's very popular, very common. It's called 478 breathing. You inhale through your nose for a count of four. You hold for a count of seven. Hold your breath. And then exhale with a whooshing sound for eight counts. So it works like this. Inhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Exhale, shh, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Empty all the air from your lungs. Inhale, one, two, three, four. Hold, two, Three, four, five, six, seven. Exhale, shh. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 
One more time. Inhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Now just repeat that on your own until you feel better or you fall asleep. Take care, guys.